<laughs> fuck it. Let's just go. Whatever. Let's just go. It's a goddamn mess. We need to be doing that. A podcast that combines sports, social media content, and life. Though we make no promises, we'll stick to those topics each episode. I'm Jonah Ballo. I'm Keith Steckler. And on this podcast, we'll often focus on the sports content and creative we see in life and share between the three of us. We need to be doing that. I'm Elliot Gerard. These are the discussions we have most days in person or group text. Now with the microphones on and recording. We've known each other since 2009. We have experience in ad agencies and marketing, digital content across teams in the NBA, and creative for brands, teams, and athletes. Come on. We need to be doing that. Well, guys, with the 2020 NFL Draft in the rearview mirror, it's a good time to talk about those jersey swaps. I mean, obviously a lot of... uh, effort goes into them. I have to assume that they may potentially last longer because players could potentially make it their profile photo. But what do you think? I know we don't do a lot of them and that's, there's probably for good reason, but I mean, I think that they're, they're getting better at them. You know, I mean, one, you could do it on a still graphic, but like doing the video uh, and even like doing like what those 3d animations with it. It's, it's interesting. I mean, I, I feel like you could be more and more creative with it. I, th- I mean, it, they've done, I remember, one of the, the pieces I was a part of was uh, with ESPN. They had like a different illustration for each team and they'd have him in every single jersey just in case someone um, drafted him or, or traded up or whatever. You know, I feel like they've been doing this for a while, but it's not uh, – I don't feel like anyone like thinks out, outside the box with it. No. At this point, is it like, you know, we can do this and this is something that's always been done. So now this is what we do, right? Like on – Social, that seems to be the pattern, is there is an evolution to the content that's being created, but it doesn't necessarily change it or think out, like you're saying, like outside the box. I mean, I think what the Bengals and LSU has done, that that was pretty slick content that I saw. But yeah, is it just something now that it's just, this is what we do. So we put it out and there's no other creative element to it. Yeah, it felt to me like it was the, uh, you know, when you're on Reddit, or, or any thread and somebody's fighting to be the first to comment on it. It felt like that. It just on social, yeah. it just feels like the, the, the one thing you could do quickly. And I know, and I'm speaking as somebody who doesn't design these things. So you can check me. I, I have a feeling these things take longer than, than people give them credit for. But I think people that, that are maybe freelance or trying to break in, I've always said, if you can bang out some Jersey swaps, you tend to get noticed a lot quicker um, because you're putting your content out within the timeline of, of something that's relevant. But I think, um, I don't know. I mean, do, do you think teams need to be putting this stuff out? Do you think fans really want to see it or well, I think they'll see it on the internet anyway? Yeah, that's the question. As a sports fan, what is the fascination with seeing another guy in the – you know Tom Brady's playing for the Buccaneers. What does it do for you to see the visual? A couple that I saw were more posed in potential game photos. I believe there's a Cam Newton one that I thought was really cool because it showed like some of the dirt on his uniform. Um, It looked like he was, he was in game action. And then, you know, some of the evolution from going to college to the pros where they're actually like celebrating those types of things. I think that makes more sense. Yeah. That makes more sense for the draft stuff. Like there was that, I forgot who did it, but the, the one where the guy went from um went to the Cincinnati. Oh, he was it was video. It was a video swap, which was pretty awesome. You know? Yeah, the transition um, of his, you know, looking at the time or pointing to his watch and then going from 
uh, exactly. LSU to, to Cincinnati. Yeah, I think that that's cool content, but the jersey swap thing seems to be a little bit played out as a whole. Yeah. I wonder I wonder how long like that's been going on. Uh like if it started what way back in like oh nine, you know. Uh I'm sure it I did. did one I did one for I think it was Corey Brewer. Um trying to when the Minnesota Timberwolves, I don't know if you guys remember, they released the black uniform as an alternate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it was yeah. after they did the redesign, and it was we were stoked. I love these black uniforms, so I remember trying to Photoshop Corey Brewer into one, <laughs> and uh, it's so difficult. It's really hard to do and really hard to pull off. And now it's even to a greater uh, extent more difficult because you have more eyeballs, I think, on it, and more designers and more people who are willing to take shots at it. But I, yeah, back to the core idea. What is the fascination of we have to see this guy in the jersey? You know who he's playing for. You know what the jersey looks like, but there's just something to it that makes that interesting. Or is it really the only piece of content that you can release at that time that signifies the change and also, you know, is for a team you know, when I used to work for the Knicks and the Timberwolves, that is something that you can immediately get out on your social platforms without utilizing the player or needing the player for content. Yeah, I thought, you know, the player's probably looking for a new image, uh, a new photo, a new profile photo of his new team, he or she's new team. But these are not designed for like avatar photos most of the time. Could also see fans would want them for wallpapers, but again, they're typically not built that way. So I don't understand why why we keep making them, why we see them in uh, in our industry. Um, I, I don't personally, I don't get it, and I don't know if teams and people that work at teams, you know, feel obligated to do it. I, I just never understood it. I mean, I think the one thing about it is like you never know where some of these guys are going to end up. Did Did you ever think Kevin Dur- uh, Kevin Durant was going to be a a, a, a net? Yes, I told you that many times, actually. No, no. I mean, when he was at Oklahoma Thunder, right? When he was in, at OKC before Golden, uh, Golden State Warriors, were you like, oh, yeah, he'll be in Brooklyn in, in five years? No. No. Yeah. So sometimes, like, putting him in all these different uniforms, it gets you excited. Like, oh, maybe he'll end up, you know, me as, as an idiot Nick fan, be like, oh, maybe he'll end up with the Knicks, you know, and then I get hopeful. Like, so it, there's some weird excitement about it. It's almost like, uh, um, uh, you know, picturing you dating a, a model that you would never be able to date. Um, yeah, that, that's actually a fact. <laughs> that will never happen. Him playing on the, him playing on the Brooklyn Nets is more, way more likely. <laughs> I'm not talking about hypothetical jersey swaps. I'm talking like actually they go to the team. You're saying we should be thinking of my favorite player and put him in a Knicks jersey and and it makes the uh you know the, the dream all that more real. That's not what I'm I'm talking like somebody just signed or got traded. Oh, and they do that. I don't yeah. get it. Well, I can exp- I can speak to experience with the team thing. You very much feel when you're in that seat running social that if you're not doing what everybody else is doing, Mm-hmm. that you're going to be the one either missing out or looked at yeah, from FOMO. your bosses and management. Why didn't we do this? And I always, I would go to the league meetings. I'd go to, you know, we, where my uh, colleagues on, on other teams, you know, the, the, would you, <laughs> we should be doing that thing. Yeah. It's, it's this idea that, okay, what if we didn't do the Jersey swap, but we're going to do this. And I just don't think that flies because you're, I mean, I don't want to go on a tangent here, but, you know, those complex rankings in on complex where they they go through each of the NBA teams and rank them based on their social. 
drive me insane because oh, they sure. it takes nothing into context who you work for, managers are, and marketing level executives. There's so many things that can hinder your creativity and ability to have output like other teams do in the tone and the sarcasm that your team does. So it, it, we can't be judged against each other equally. It's just, it's just not fair. And I think this, to your point, Keith, is I think a lot of the teams feel pressure. They can't be the one team that didn't do the Jersey swap. And so they all almost, almost act in unison when we see the content come out and then it becomes played out and then we move on to something else. But what we're starting to see is there is a little bit of evolution to that piece of content and the teams that do it really well, really figure a way out. But I think if you don't, if you, if you go back to the core thing, if you don't offer your fans something of value, a wallpaper that they can use, um, you know, mm-hmm. direct access to the athlete, it, can you get the jersey? Now, can you buy the jersey if it's it's got a link on Instagram and all of a sudden now you're driving merchandise? I think the value back to the, fan is the most important thing and uh, but it also does drive conversation so you can see it on both sides so there i'm on the fence now <laughs> okay so you said t- you said two things that i want to dig into a little bit it sounds like there's almost a checklist uh across all the teams almost the mandates of the things that everyone's going to do or has to do and jersey swaps are on it and probably have been on it for a bunch of seasons so um, seems like there's some, uh, you know, back office meeting of all the uh, head social people at, at the teams who just decide on what they're going to do. But I'm sure that's not the case. The second part was, yes, I love the idea of, of driving to e-commerce and making it something that's more tangible and interesting for the fan. Um, Jersey swap for the sake of doing it. I don't get Jersey swap to see the player for the first look in the new uniform and hey, you can buy the jersey here. Love that. So I think we should brainstorm what would be the first piece of content, either from a draft, trade, free agent acquisition that you would put out on social, which is this is often the the challenge, right? I mean, you you're trying to look for something that's going to pop and it's going to get your fan base excited to see your new guy. And it's this is where it gets so tricky. You're in a mix of editorial and marketing, right? So you're trying to market this player as the future of your franchise. Okay, so you have that component going on, but you also are trying to create editorial content that you would see that rivals ESPN and Bleacher Report. So this was always the real big challenge for me at the teams and working uh-huh. with creatives. That's why, you know, when Elliot would do stuff for me at the Knicks, you know, we really tried to think outside the box and creative content that would layer into the marketing decisions and plan. Yeah would also be looked at as something the fan would say, this is just cool. I like it. Well, that was the whole, how the whole infographic thing started because I was like, yo, I love Derek Rose. He, you know, I'm so excited. He came in the Knicks. I was like, I got, I want to do something. I, I want to like, you know, put his stats together or whatever. So we did these whole like animated infographics where they kind of flew into their blueprints. And then like the, um, all the data came out and we had like very specific, interesting different data about each one you know well, it was I, a get it was a get to know piece right yeah, I and mean, exactly. we tried to we tried to rethink the idea of okay here's here's where i think you can hit on the marketing thing we're introducing we're getting a, a new player to our market we're going to get you excited about it but by the way here is why this player is going to be impactful on our team from yeah. a basketball standpoint because at the end of the day and i think you guys agree we're, we're basketball junkies we're basketball yeah. heads we want why is derrick rose going to work on the knicks you know and i think you can make that case in, in a bunch of different ways. But I always looked at 
the content that we would produce is editorial content, not marketing content. And I think that's where really the challenge is. And the Jersey thing, again, it's just, I think it's just become commonplace and it's the, it's the, the first barrier to get over to, to, to introduce that guy and to your fan base. It's the first moment. What I thought if we could pivot a little bit too, which is interesting that, um, with the draft is, you know, here's the first time where I, you, you got to look into a GM's home office and you got to mm-hmm. look into a player's home. Um, a lot of these things, you know, you would see them in a suit, you'd see them with their family, but they're all in one location. So now all of a sudden you're pulling back the curtain on this, this family. And I thought, you know, one of the cool ideas, I didn't think Roger Goodell's announcement of it was particularly interesting or exciting. And I'm a little annoyed with his basement setup. I think for the money he makes, <laughs> uh, I would have seen a more impressive setup there. Um, but without thinking shots on the commissioner, I think what was interesting is what if you had the parents get the call and the player mm. didn't know that that was the call and the mom or the dad or the sister or the cousin that told awesome. the told the yeah. player live on TV that you have just been drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, I just now it's open season on creativity and, and ideas, and we're reimagining how it all can take place. I thought, you know, the NFL actually did a pretty amazing job considering, you know, everything that was taking place and how much you have to change. And I know what goes on in a live broadcast, but if I'm a fan and I get to see that raw emotion from the player that's going to be you know, on my team and in the future of the franchise, I feel like I want to buy in to them, their family, their approach, who they are. And I think that can hit on an emotional level. The Jersey swap is such a basic, like here they are. I know this. Mm-hmm. Um, so my point in this long winded rant is that I think there's an emotional content piece that could hit a little bit closer than the Jersey swap. I think that's awesome. The idea of, of them uh, being told by their parents, they always do like those, during the draft, they always do those videos before about like that player and like what they, you know, went through to get here and all that stuff. But then I don't really feel like they ever connected to the, to being picked. Like they'll, they'll tell the story and then they'll get picked. So if there's a way like the, for the team to do that or whatever, or like you said, have the family member actually tell them that that would be awesome. I think that there's a, there's a fear in that cause they don't know, they can't control that. You know, like what if that person is, <laughs> Uh, doesn't like the Jets and is like, oh, fuck, you got picked by the Jets. <laughs> um, I feel like fans are um, so emotional about this. But even like a bleacher, like I, I th- all of that emotion to me is very fake. You know, with, with a bleacher, with, with a – ESPN does it better because they do those, you know, 30 for 30s and stuff like that. So uh, – or even from like a league, like I don't really – it needs to be more authentic if it's going to be done. Why, why do you think this year was – in my opinion, the the biggest year of digging up guys' backgrounds, and was it because you know we're we're searching for some type of connective thread? But it felt like everyone that got drafted was like six two, three ten, and his mother died when he was eight. Yeah, and I I yeah. just yeah, I don't know if it felt like that was intentional, given the graphics already made and everything. But I don't know why else. Why else that was done unless they felt like, you know, we want to make sure that this is somehow humanizing at the end of the day. But why did they feel like because they're at home that it would be worse? I mean, as you said, Jonah, I think you saw a much greater look into people's homes 
both in the front office side and, and the player side, but it just became, uh, I mean, it's terrible that these guys went through it first and foremost, but yeah. the fact that every one of them had something going on was just a shame. Yeah. I, I've heard that too from, from a couple friends and people who will watch the draft that felt it was a little bit over the top. Um, I think the Corona thing has, uh, placed importance on family and, and being together and trying to get through this and the network and, and the people creating the content, you know, listen, Tom Rinaldi, he's always going to make you cry. Um, and mm. people who watch Tom Rinaldi as a reporter on college football and anything that he does, it, that's his job is to basically make you cry. So anytime he comes up on the screen, I'm like, ah, got to get out of here, turn, run. Um, but I think they try to tie in the emotional elements because of what we're going through. And I think it was a little bit over the top, to be honest. I think, you know, sports fans wanted to be entertained. What it was, I think the numbers were like 16 million for, for Thursday night, which is incredible. And we thought Pretty it was going to be huge, yeah. but I think you have to, as a, as an executive in that standpoint and trying to create content. You want to tell the stories of these players and without the access to them live in terms of being there in New York or Las Vegas and being able to do the interviews. I mean, if you go back to the NBA draft and, you know, um, John Morant was coming off Zion Williamson, there was really emotional live interviews mm-hmm. happening at that moment. were very organic. It wasn't necessarily planned. I mean, Maria Taylor had asked the questions and was prepared for it, but it came out naturally. This seemed a little forced to make sure that people got a little bit of the story with each guy um, without having access to them in the interviews. But yeah, when it's put on as text on a graphic on screen, mm-hmm. it just yes. doesn't hit right. And no, I think, no, um, no, no, no. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Cause then it just becomes an infographic. It's not like, and it's not like an infographic that's telling an interesting story about it. It's just like, here's a data point, you know, and you don't want it to be a data point. You want it to be, this is who they are. Uh, and you know, this is who their mother would th- was to them or whatever, but like go in, in depth for it. That's why I say ESPN does it pretty well. Cause when they do those stories, a lot of times they'll dive into it. Um, like a 30 for 30, or even if it's just a small segment on sports center or whatever, but yeah, when it just becomes like, let's just write this down and put it on, you know, and put it under the face. Yeah. That's, I, I would rather just not do that <laughs> at all. I hope they do the in-home stuff for the second and third round because I know a lot of people just don't care about it when when things are normal. Um, the first round, bring them to wherever, Radio City, wherever it's going to be. That's fine. Do that again. But a way, is, as you mentioned, to get people interested, I think for the second and third round could be you have cams in their homes and you're seeing these stories that we saw the last couple of days. I think that'll I, happen more. Yeah, I, I agree. I think this is definitely going to lead to more of that um, – live look inside the family. I mean, they've done some of it, but I think it's going to lead to more of those opportunities. You know, it's interesting though, but the dynamic when you're live in New York or Vegas or wherever, or Chicago, wherever the draft takes place, really the moment, and I don't know if tele- television executives will say this out loud, but the moment they're looking for is Aaron Rodgers not getting picked. And every camera shot goes to him not getting picked. And then that creates the storyline and he's also in the storyline this year because they drafted two quarterbacks. But the fact is that they're looking for that moment too of like, oh my God, can you believe this guy was expected to go here and now he's not being drafted and every single time they're on him. Lamar Jackson, the camera shot of him falling asleep. Like 
So that's why they want them live. That's why they want them there. And it's a bummer when they're not. And uh, a couple offensive linemen, I think, in the past have, have not gone to the draft. And I don't think, you know, the NFL or ESPN was particularly happy about it. But, you know, it, it is funny. Like, I, I was talking to my girlfriend about the draft, and she's she's not a sports fan, doesn't have any idea about what's going on. And trying to explain to her why people care about the draft was very difficult because – what is it about it? These guys are not going to be playing mo- for a majority of them will not be playing right away. And mm-hmm. the fact is you're just, you're enthralled with the future of it. And I think from a content, you know, standpoint and what you can create that night is that hope. So at the end of the day, you want hope yep. for your team and yep. this is what it brings. And I think the more you can get people to, be excited about your player and excited about what they bring to the table. You're just going to, you're going to be beneficial to not only your fan base, but to the larger opportunity that your team brings, you know, moving forward. I mean, as a Jets, Knicks and Mets fan, that's all your fandom is, is hope is next season is going to be better. This draft pick is going to work out. Uh, You know, like, so that's, that's, I mean, honestly, for most sports fans, it's only about hope because most teams are not good, you know, at least for a while, uh, especially New York, <laughs> New York teams for whatever reason. But yeah, so I, I feel like selling hope is a, is a big thing in sport. It's, it's always about that. It's always about fi- finding, okay, you know, when, when is that, that guy going to put on my jersey? That is, that's what I always saw the, the draft as. You know, you have like a, we'd, we'd have parties back in the day, uh, a bunch of us Jets fans thinking that, um, you know, uh, Santana Moss was, was going to be the next Randy Moss. Um, although he was pretty good. Is that just because his last name was Moss? I'm, I'm, I'm joking. I'm just, yes, I was, I was play on words, play on words. Um, there was no play. That's the problem. <laughs> Go back to the writing room on that one. <laughs> play on the name. Um, but you know what, I Keith, I mean, like, what would you want to see as a fan of your team? What is it that you would want to see that night? You, you got me over the hump, so I'm back to it. So. I think a jersey swap in situation, somewhat of the the great content that we've seen and have been sharing between us, I think worked. I think uh, to all of our points, it would give the fan excitement and hope. And I, I don't, I don't get the uh, the when they sign, you know. And I know, I know you had to do a lot of that in, mm-hmm. in your prior life. Yep. Um, I don't get what that does. I'd certainly think um, a jersey swap would accomplish it. So I'm. I'm back to where I was, but I'm thinking differently about it. And that's, and I hope that that's what this podcast will do for me most of the time. Yeah. I mean, again, it's, it is perspective too, because on the outside of these things, you were like, well, why is this team doing this? Why is that? And you just, the inner workings of these teams are very different. And you can see if you really pay attention to their social feeds, which teams can really go out there and Carolina Panthers are one of those teams that can mm-hmm. really take some chances. They they're snarky. They've made some comments on social, their graphics, their uh, creative is pr- pretty strong. And you can see where you get a little bit more license from the people above. Uh, that's why I, I always advocated for not necessarily power within the organization, but the group of digitals and creative for a team need to be on the same level as the marketing executives and that was not the case in my uh previous experiences i think it's getting much better i mean when i started with the minnesota timberwolves i mean there was two reporters in the league uh, the lakers and and the timberwolves and i was one of two social media hadn't launched yet so now you really think about it it's, it's still in its infancy of what they can do 
but I always looked at access. What could we do as a team to bring the fans closer to our players, to the court? Because they all can't be at the stadium. They all can't be there. Yeah. So what what is it? And, uh, you know, what we did on draft nights is we tried to uh, set up opportunities for the, the draft pick to talk to the fans directly, um, whether he did a, an interview or he would Skype into uh, the draft party right after the pick was made. Uh, but there's so many dynamics. I mean, I when I watch the draft to this day, I still get PTSD because it's such a stressful night, especially when we sat at like the sixth pick, you know, the the Porzingis night. And, you know, I'm looking and waiting for who's going to trying to figure out an, an ROI. Oh, you had me do multiple different things for that. And you were I, like, oh, man, they didn't draft that guy. You got to go back to the drawing board. <laughs> delete all your PSDs. Like, do not share these, you know. We don't want uh, Jaleel Okafor, you know, uh, draft pick getting out. But and you're talking to your, you know, colleagues around the league and you're there live. It is one of the most intense nights, I think, as a digital person. And I think in the future of our podcast, we'll get on a lot of these guests and can have similar discussions. And yeah. it, it was just so hard because you wanted to create something at that moment that we could launch. And then the draft pick gets whisked away to go all do all sorts of media that he, he's obligated to do. Uh-huh. And, um, and then I'm trying to get an interview for our website. So I think the two parts of it, I've been at the draft live and we've created content, which I didn't think was necessarily that beneficial. What I thought I did in Minnesota was create a live draft show where fans were asking questions during it. And we brought in guests, you know, this is back in the day too, before a lot of teams were doing live streams where, you know, we would have former draft picks that would stop by. We would have the GM, the coach, uh, fans would be in the arena. So you feel that excitement. To me, that's kind of a fun watch for a fan. Like, and if they can ask questions directly to these people, you know, the play-by-play guy jumps on, the color commentator, you know, you get access to these people that get you behind the logic and the thought process of what's going on that night. And also, it is very hyper-focused to you as opposed to just the general broadcast on ESPN, which a lot of people are going to watch anyways. But I thought that was always kind of a cool content piece that we were able to accomplish. Yeah, no, the, the, I mean, those nights were fun doing doing draft stuff like that. Because, and you'd get so like, especially when you're doing work like that, you're like, oh, you kind of believe that that's the draft pick that's going to happen. And then you're like, oh, wow, <laughs> completely wrong. Well, but, trades uh, happen. I mean, yeah. it's just, there's so many things that can occur. And as much heads up as you can get from your, PR team, your management, it's still, it still could be a decision that's made in split seconds. You know, if a trade comes across the table or if they have How multiple many- trades, no, if there's just multiple trades that are, you know, possibilities as well. So, and they're contingent on the league making it official. So you have to wait, you can't launch it first else you get fined. Mm-hmm. Yep, I mean, yep. I don't think a lot of people understand the, the amount of stress and work that goes into those nights. I mean, it's months and months of planning. I would launch, you know, Draft Central where basically a preview almost every draft pick available. And in the NBA, it's even more important because that one guy can change the complete direction yeah, of your whole, franchise yeah. in a night. So yeah. it's it is fascinating. And I'm I'm really quite pleased to not be involved with that on a nightly basis anymore. <laughs> so it sound it sounds like it. And I'll tell you, this is the the absolute origin of this podcast with the three of us that we could take one topic and go a completely different direction. But where we went is far more interesting to me. So I, I appreciate that. That's a wrap for this week. Thanks for listening to the We Need to Be Doing That podcast. 
Visit we need to be doing that.com for more episodes and contact information. Music.